Welcome to Talking Walking, hosted by Andrew Stuck from Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. Talking Walking brings you interviews with people from the world of walking, artists, activists, professionals, and those of us have a passion for just taking a walk. Former specialist photographer in an academic library, Julius Smith has always been fascinated by the composition of words and pictures. Through a series of walks on the South Downs and in and around Eastbourne, where he now lives, Julius has been publishing zines and chapbooks of his poetry and photography that he has printed and gives away to people he meets on his walks. We meet early on a February morning to walk along the promenade in Eastbourne and discuss the process he follows to create his zines and how he views his efforts as a way to resist the digital world and encourage us all to slow down. Well, what's this Esplanade called? Does it have a does it have a name? Well, it's called the Promenade, and uh, it's I suppose re- really it's the lower Promenade on the Eastbourne seafront, and uh, it stretches all the way from the sort of westerly end, which is we sort of started at Hollywell and goes all the way right through to uh, Langney Point where there is a a marvellous Martello Tower. There's a whole string of these Martello Towers along the south coast and there are sort of two uh, along this stretch and one of which we're going to be sort of passing in a while. What drew you to Eastbourne? I've always wanted to live near the sea. The chance came about 15 years ago when I was working in the Bodleian Library in in Oxford. The uh, question of redundancy came up and I thought, yes, after sort of uh, 11 or 12 years in working in sort of academia and uh, all those sort of related things, it it was time for a new departure. I thought Eastbourne, and there were other sort of sort of personal reasons coming here, but Eastbourne really gave an opportunity for uh, space and a new beginning and, in fact, lots and lots and lots of walking, which is absolutely brilliant. So have you been walking all your life? In fact, I've been really walking since, well, I suppose, childhood, really. My parents came to England in 1949. They're from the Netherlands. We lived in a tiny sort of market town called Tring, 30 miles north of London. My father was then the breadwinner of a family of four children. Most Sundays, we went on a long family-family walk, you know. So you know the Chilterns very well. Chilterns, yes. Chilterns and chalk. (laughs) Isn't that funny? You know, I've come back to chalk. There's something in that. And then sometimes, if I needed to get some, uh, I don't know, something to buy, which wasn't available in Tring, then... I had to go to the next big town, which was Aylesbury. Aylesbury was seven miles away, and there was times when I didn't really have enough pocket money, so I walked. Maybe I just got the bus back, but, yeah, you know, the emphasis on, you know, I needed to get there. How would I get there? Two legs. Uh, you worked as a digital photographer yes. in the Bodleian. That was in what? Well, so you've been taking pictures of books and manuscripts for years. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the thing is, I've always had a camera. You know, photography and walking really have for me. They've been really two aspects of how I go about things. 
And in the Bodleian, I was uh, digitizing, really. It was the big sort of push on digital imaging of uh, manuscripts and anything printed to go onto the internet. And anything for researchers, really, who wanted a, a digital image. It was very much a time of realizing that how important for me the image and the text go together. I'm very interested in photography, the image, but also the image and its relationship to the text and how images and text work together. And, and you're now doing that yourself with publishing these really lovely zines. Oh, yes, zines, Andrew. Zines. zines. Are they, well, oh, yes, magazines. as in magazine or fanzine. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, thank you for I stand corrected. I stand corrected. So, uh, zines, they include fabulous photographs, mm -hmm. but they also include writing. So yes. that's your own poetry. Yes, it is. Yes, well, I've always loved the whole idea of zines because... Uh, they were in fashion, I suppose, in the 1960s, 1970s. A zine, basically, is a self-published, limited-run, essentially printed. Printed, it can be a document, it can be a booklet, it can be a poster, but it has to be produced by the individual. It can be sold, it can be swapped, it can be traded, given away, but it's the artist's own creation and I love the format because as someone taking photographs and writing particularly poems I love to use the zine as a vehicle for putting those stuff onto paper and mixing them together part of the great thing about walking for me is that I'm usually carrying a camera and notebook and pencil so ideas come out and I jot them down and then later on I sort of sift them and if I've taken uh, photographs then I can sort of edit them and what have you on the computer and then mix the, uh, the text and what have you together and then create this wonderful published printed thing. Recently, I mean, you know, with the zines you've been making, mm -hmm. do you purposefully go on a on an expedition or is it something that it's sort of almost are they created through uh, you know after a serendipitous uh, walk that you've done what, you know how do you mm. how do you put your walking ah. art together yes well serendipity comes into it an awful lot because one of the things that drives me is my very strong interest almost passion for psychogeography um, which has uh, okay it's sort of faded a bit now but I love the whole idea of just walking in a place. doesn't necessarily mean I know where I'm going, I have a focus, but I'm just walking and I catch things. It can be on the, in the rural place or it can be in the urban space. For example, uh, found words, you know, I love things like found words, you know, whether in notices or chalk marks or graffiti or things like that. So those things just come out at me. I collect them, you know, I photograph them, I jot them down in a notebook and I'm, those are the sort of things I use. You know, and they're all things which have come out at me. You know, I just collect them. And have you found that through doing the, the walks 
that you end up not looking to take photographs? Or do, do, do you follow yes. what I'm trying yes. to say? Yes. Or, do, or do you find that actually you want to take many more photographs and the walking actually almost gets in the way? I, I suppose it start, started off like that. I suppose lately I've been becoming quite strict with myself in terms of do I need to capture that image? Do I need to? And why? What would I do with it? It's, it's a really interesting philosophical point because there are times when I have the camera with me and I'm walking, but I'm actually kind of lost in thought. So the camera then takes second or third place and I'm much more interested in thinking through something which um, has preoccupied me. But what then happens is that I've suddenly become much more aware of what's going on around me. And the senses come into play, which, you know, as someone who kind of writes, say, poems, you know, I'm very interested in the whole sensory thing. What is interesting is that um, I love eavesdropping on conversations, on people, and walking on the downs, for example, and indeed on where we're walking now, along the Eastbourne seafront. There are quite often times when I'm passing people, couples or maybe a group of three or four people, in conversation, and if they have their voices loud enough, Sometimes I can catch the most extraordinary conversations which, which are going on. And the summer months between, I don't know, May, June and September, October on the Downs, there's a, a lot of people who come from abroad. Do you take more photographs or fewer photographs yeah. the more you've been walking? I tend to take fewer. The photographs I've been taking for the, well, ever really, I think, started walking on the downs and um, making zines have been using digital cameras. But last October, November, I acquired an old-fashioned, some people might say, film camera, which I have used many, many years ago, but, you know, were relinquished in favour of digital and I acquired one of these cameras and I went and did various walks with this camera with a roll of black and white film in it. 36 exposures, that's all you get on a roll of film, or 24, but 36. So it was a, a very interesting discipline in realizing that, first of all, each frame costs a certain amount of money because the cost of the film and the cost of processing, what have you, it actually had a very, very good effect because I wasn't just snapping away as I have been in the past because, you know, with a digital card you can just go on and on, but I was actually stopping and looking and being much more aware of where I was. 
And if I didn't want to take that photograph, then I didn't, which was a revelation. So, um, yes, I have been taking fewer. With uh, black and white, did you develop them yourself or <coughs> are you, you no. sent them away? Many years ago, I used to process and print all my own black and white images. I had the space and the equipment, but that was many years ago. In creating the zines, yes. which comes first? Photographs, the writing, the, the composition? Photography and writing, in one sense, I like to think of going, going together. But when it comes to creating the work, they're two very, very different processes and approaches. Notebook and pen I have always with me, so I'm out walking, it's that space for thinking and being receptive to whatever comes to mind. So what happens is that a phrase comes in and I have to write that down because if I don't, it's gone. And you know, sometimes I feel that's almost, you know, it's pretty awful when that goes. So capture, capture the line, capture the words. The camera isn't doing anything. It, maybe I've got it around my neck, but it's the notebook and pen and the thoughts and where I am, what I'm feeling, associations, connections, all these things. I jot them down in the notebook, which is kind of, you know, I'm sort of fishing for all these things. And when I get home, I take all the phrases in my notebook and I write them out in longhand on a, say, A4 sheet of paper. And I put that away for a few days. It has to sort of just stay, digest, you know, it has to sort of ferment. And then I go to that bit of paper a few days later and I think, well, that's an interesting phrase, how can I develop that? Or does something else come from that phrase? So I maybe add or change it and then I write that out again in longhand on another sheet of paper, put that away for a few days, and come back to it again, and then all these lovely lines I've got, I type them up. And I've got this pristine, typed up sheet of paper with all these lines of text. Good. Put that away again, because it's all a process. I come back to that again in a few days' time and I start actually putting some order, putting them into groups, a stanza or a couplet or a kind of pattern because poetry is essentially about patterning. Does anything come out of that? Is there a narrative? Is there a story? Sometimes there might be. And then I think, ah, now that story is really about something completely else. So 
I'm adding something. And the whole thing then becomes a body created out of really nothing. And do you find then you're matching the photographs <laughs> to the words or the... Last autumn, I started working on a, a zine which I gave a title to called Borderline. And this Borderline was supposed to be a series of walks that I was going to take from the uh, eastern end of the South Downs um, at the end of Eastbourne over the Downs and then through a place called Berlin Gap which has an interesting history of smuggling then all the way further on to Cookmere Haven which is a very very large estuary I thought now how am I going to do this? I took photographs but I also took and wrote down masses and masses of lines, phrases and then when I came essentially to put them together some of the poems had no relevance at all to the image which is one of my interests because I love the juxtaposition of um, image and text, as I said before. So, you know, it can have no relevance at all. But I think that, for me, is also an important point. We've walked for about 30 minutes, mm -hmm. and you haven't taken a... Do you find that sometimes you set out without the camera, and because you, or is the camera the constant companion? Sometimes I, I admit I have gone without the camera. At first I feel, oh, there's something missing from, you know, my body, there's, you know, I'm without an essential part. And is a Julius walk minimum six or seven miles, or is it of any duration and length? I suppose, really, it depends on the weather. <laughs> if, it's, if it's pouring in rain, then it's going to be a short walk. But if it's a day like, say, today, where it's really, really misty and mild, then I can go on for about 10, 12 miles. This sort of low cloud, misty sort of weather, actually, uh, uh, is, is an opportunity for, mm. uh, for taking photographs with a it, sort of psychogeographical oh, feel. Much so. This is really the weather where I would have my film camera with me and some lovely grainy something like 400 ASA film, which uh, brings out that lovely, gritty... It's another sort of other world which um, is, is presented. But your zines are <laughs> constrained, aren't they? I mean, yes. I mean your zines are, are A6. <coughs> I chose A6 because I'm fascinated by the whole history and area of... Uh, printed publication which goes back to about 1700s called the chapbook and chapbooks are very interesting things which came about as a way of disseminating news and information to people 1700s, 1800s who didn't really get a chance to read a newspaper or in fact 
get to see a newspaper, particularly in sort of rural areas. And these chapbooks were sold for about a penny. And <laughs> they uh, mostly sort of had moral, religious you know, overtones to them. Or they had a bit of news about the latest political scandal or the latest war, you know, what was going on, because there were an awful lot of wars going on in those times. So these chapbooks were distributed by these people who just walked, which is, you know, an important part. They walked everywhere. They were, they were sort of called hawkers or peddlers. And they went around selling these little printed things for about a penny. The idea came last summer. I thought, yes, I'll kind of adopt that idea because I love the small size of these these publications and I can carry them in my backpack and if I meet anybody en route on the downs and and they say well you know what are you taking pictures for and I say well I'm making zines and I'm making actually a chapbook at the moment and I can tell them about chapbooks and I say well here's a chapbook and you can actually have a copy you know, it won't cost you a penny because <laughs> I've you know I've made lots and lots of them so for me, it's another way of sharing. Cuisines are also about dissemination and about sharing and swapping, which is a, it's a counterculture within our ever-on digital world. And because they're printed, people actually sort of look at them. You know, they actually spend time looking. They're not sort of just swiping on a smartphone, but they're actually leafing through the pages and they're actually, I hope, we, I hope, sort of absorbing something which is within its pages. Now, having been working in the Bodleian Library, you've probably mm. got an ISBN on each of these. <laughs> oh, no, no, sir. No. <laughs> no. Because of their um, alternative approach to... DIY publishing, anything which smacks of mainstream, which an ISBN represents, is really frowned upon. So I always say to a listener, that's an international standard book number, uh, yep. which identifies it for uh, copyright reasons. Well, for, for Julius, what, what, what's the driving mm -hmm. force behind the walks? Robert McFarlane, in an introduction to his book, The Old Ways, he talks about the journey not also being outwards, but going inwards. And I think that's an incredibly important point, because in 2023, if you just look around, there are so many people who are kind of just, uh, I imagine, maybe I'm being totally wrong, but not really being attentive to what's going on. Distracted by the digital or the mobile? They could very well be distracted by what they're carrying in their hand. And it's as if there's a, a driving force behind them which is pushing them on and they're missing things. And I think this is what 
I'm trying to push against by the slowing down, by the noticing, by the being, by the absorbing everything. And what does this for me is being open, being receptive, making pictures, writing poems, sometimes not doing either of those and just standing still, looking out. We're looking out across the English Channel. It's grey, the grey sea, and there's a sort of brownie-orange shingle. But this shingle is incredibly alive because it's always moving. It's been pushed every day by the um, southwesterly current. And every autumn, two or three months are spent by a whole team of very noisy mechanical diggers. They have to shift tons and tons of shingle all the way back to where it has been moved from. And, you know, I think this, this represents a constant moving which kind of chimes with what's going on in, in the people, you know, the people walking along here. I just like to feel that uh, in some very small way that I'm sort of contributing to a slowing down by putting stuff into visual text which is my way of doing things. Okay, so Julius, you're, you're obviously really familiar now with the South Downs and especially yep. around Eastbourne and area. Would you like to recommend a couple of walks? The two different walks, one is sort of slightly sort of urban, the other one is sort of rural, and the, the urban one starts where the Downs meets the town of Eastbourne at its utmost fringes. It's a place called Hollywell, or Holywell, because there is a sort of spring where there's a sort of cliff face. So we start from there, all the way along the seafront to the harbour. And within that space, you can be aware of a different kinds of architecture, the Victorian Edwardian, the sort of 1960s stuff, until you come to 1980s, 1990s. And you, and you go on further from the harbour until you come to um, a place like uh, Pevensey Castle, which is Roman. So, you know, you're, t you're encountering masses of different pieces of uh, architecture, buildings, fabric. Okay, so that's the, that's the urban. The, the rural, well, as, as I said, I spend a lot of time on the downs. So we start off at the westerly end, and we go up, 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 onto the downs, and then we start with the part of the South Downs Trail, which goes from Eastbourne all the way to Winchester, so 100 miles. I've never done the whole thing, I've done bits of it, but it's a really interesting journey because the, the South Downs Trail really has its origins in prehistory. If you walk on the Downs, you'll come across lots of, say, Bronze Age barrows. These are the sort of signs of occupation, habitation, the t type of people who have actually walked on that landscape. So you're following this trail all the way down into a village called Jevington, then up on the Downs again, 
down into a sort of touristy village called Olfriston, which is very nice in the summer. And then you can walk along the river Cookmere, which then takes you into the Cookmere estuary on the, uh, on, the, on the channel. That's the famous meanders. Yes, they're wonderful, wonderful. And then uh, from there you can then walk back to uh, where you know, really people have started walking from, along the clifftop. And if you're in time for a cup of tea at Berlin Gap National Trust uh, place, then, you know, you're lucky. So, you know, those two are really, really good walks and take you all day. You've been listening to Talking Walking, brought to you by Rethinking Cities and the Museum of Walking. In this episode, you've heard from Julius Smith. If you have any views on this interview or any walking issues, we would love to hear from you. Just follow the links on the Talking Walking website. We look forward to having you along for future episodes of Talking Walking. Written, recorded and produced by Andrew Stuck of Rethinking City Limited, our artwork is designed by Ian Martin of Art Graphics and the music is composed by Simon Sanders of Easy Tronic. <laughs>